This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Today we're going to talk about those passages in Scripture that clearly declare that Jesus was and is God in the flesh. And so you say, well, why are we doing that? One of the reasons is simply this. When you talk to anybody about God, people are usually okay with God talk. You know, God bless you. Oh my God, you know, people say. There's even a, one of those expressions in text messaging lingo that goes OMG, which is supposed to stand for oh my God. Now, at the same time, when we get to the part about Jesus being the only way to heaven, that's where people get really uptight. Because they say, well, who do you think you are saying that your way is the only way? So what we're going to do is check on a few passages where Jesus actually claimed to be God. Now, I remember in my high school Sunday school class a long time ago, we're in the church where I grew up, and we would sit around and we were saying, well, Jesus never claimed to be God, and we were speaking out of our teenaged youthful ignorance because Jesus most certainly did claim to be God. Now, this announcement of his divinity came in our gospel passage for today because it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it skips down to say, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now we're going to go through in several scripture passages, and you may want to write these down when we're talking about them so you can remember them. And one of the basic passages in all of scripture that declares Jesus's divinity is found, believe it or not, in the Old Testament. It's in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us, this is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so, right there in the Old Testament, we're hearing from Isaiah the prophet that this child to be born is going to be called Mighty God and the Everlasting Father. Now, then there's this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, which is Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
And Matthew clarifies that because the word Emmanuel, because L at the end is that God word, God with us. Now, then we have, according to the crossexamined.org website, there is also the passage in the Psalms, two of them exactly, to be exact, Psalm 45, verses 6 through 7, and it goes, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions. Now, we need to check out here a couple of key points. First, this psalm is a wedding song and is addressed to a Davidic son who is about to take his bride. Secondly, the psalmist addresses this song specifically to the king. That's verse 1. And at the same time calls him God. That is, this Davidic son is both king and God. Third, his description of this king is so generous because he's the most excellent of men, the mighty one. He majestically rides forth in victory. The nations fall at your feet, reigning eternally, and nations will praise you forever. Then we skipping down to verse 17, that this cannot be a predictor of any mere human being. The psalmist declares that this king is God in verse 6. And in verse 7, he refers to his God. In other words, another person exists because it's Trinitarian, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then there's Psalm 110, verse 1. Psalm 110, verse 1, and it says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. This Psalm of David is the most quoted psalm in the most quoted Old Testament text in the New Testament. Jesus, striving to make a point to his contemporaries, references it in Mark chapter 12, verses 35 through 37, by asking, Why do the teachers of the law say that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? That's Jesus talking to the Pharisees. They couldn't answer that, by the way, because Jesus wanted his audience to understand the implications of David's words. How could David refer to the Messiah as his Lord? Wasn't the Messiah David's future son? This claim, suggesting the son is greater and more authoritative than David, would no doubt have shocked the Jewish audience who always showed deference to the father over the son. And so we have here some Old Testament passages 
which teach us that Jesus was indeed God and God in the flesh when he came. And so we will call his name Emmanuel, as they said. Now, then Paul says in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, waiting for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul here is declaring that Jesus is God. Make no mistake about it. There is no way to confuse what Paul said there. Well, he meant this or that. No, he meant exactly what he said. He meant that Jesus is God. And then we have Thomas. Remember in the upper room, eight days after the resurrection, Thomas shouts, my Lord and my God to Jesus. And so Thomas, who would know, because he'd stayed with Jesus for some three and a half years prior to that, Thomas would know if Jesus was God or not, and he declared that to be the case. Now, the gospel according to St. John is full of references that tell us that Jesus is God in the flesh. There's Jesus himself speaking in John chapter 10, verse 30. The Father and I are one, meaning there's a sameness there. And then we have the exclusive claim that Jesus makes in John 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so this is Jesus's, but he says that no one can come to the Father except through me. So if you have anybody who's having heartburn over Jesus's claim to being the only way to heaven, you can sit there and say, I didn't say that and I didn't make this up. If I had designed my own religion and then decided that it's the only way to get to heaven, yeah, you could complain about that because I would be either out of my mind or being too exclusionary. But what you can say is, I didn't say that. Jesus himself said that. Jesus himself said, I am the only way. Now, another one, just in the same chapter, John chapter 14, a few verses later, he tells one of his disciples, Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And this passage is John 14, verses 6 through 11. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And Jesus again is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen God. And that's how it goes. And then, you know, there are all those I am statements Jesus makes. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the door for the sheep. Then again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But prior to that, in John chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And again, in John 15, he says, I am the true vine. Jesus is telling them, I'm God. But then, now, we're getting to the magnum opus, if you will. And that verse is John chapter 8, 
verse 58. And Jesus is saying to them in this passage, John chapter 8, verse 58. He says, Verily, verily, I say to you, or before Abraham was born, I am. Wow. I used to wonder about this, and I used to try to figure out a way to defend Jesus' words by saying, well, he's using the same pronoun case and verb tense that the voice from the burning bush spoke to Moses. But then I'm remembering that the New Testament was written in Greek. Here, in this instance, Jesus is not speaking Greek to those people. Jesus is speaking Aramaic, the language of the people. And so not only did he use the same verbal tense and all that, he used the same words. Because in that verse, and I'm going to try my best here to say it, Hashiv Yahim Yeshua, Amen, Amen. Ani Omer Lachem Beterem Hayot Avraham Anihu. Now that Anihu is key because if we look at what the voice from the bush told Moses, this is Exodus 3.14. God says, Wahyomer Elohim El Moshe Ehye Asher Ehye. Jesus is using the same words, I guess, that he used when he was speaking to Moses from the burning bush. So he's telling them outright by using the same exact words before Abraham was born. I am. And that's what made the Pharisees so irate. It says in John 8:59, immediately following, as was the people's habit, they picked up stones to try to throw at Jesus because they were going to try to kill him for blasphemy by claiming to be God because they had already made up their minds the Pharisees had made up their minds all the way back to John the Baptist, that this guy who was coming that John was trying to introduce was not the Messiah, was not God in the flesh, was not that Emmanuel. They were determined to seek out the Messiah as the one they had convinced themselves in their own minds that was coming. Now, there was a two other instances in John chapter 4, speaking to the woman at the well. The woman says, I know that Messiah comes, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And how did Jesus answer her? He said, I who am speaking to you am he. He said, that Messiah dude you're looking for, you're looking at him. And that was pretty bold, you think. But then again, at the end of John chapter 9, after Jesus heals the man born blind, the man is sitting there and saying, when the Son of God comes, when the Messiah comes, I'll worship him. Who is he? Who is this Son of God that I may worship him? And Jesus told him, 
the one who is standing here speaking to you is he. So he tells the man born blind that he's that Messiah, that God-man. And so we have all of these verses, also Isaiah 44, verse 6, and Revelation 1.11. So again, the reason we're going through this is because I know that we are going to all be challenged on our beliefs in who Jesus is. And as a matter of fact, if you've been looking at any of those Instagram videos, you have seen through the reels, the Muslims are jamming those up, giving competing claims from the Quran about who Jesus is. And they're convincing people to believe that Jesus was just this really good dude, this prophet. And there are people who are believing them. So it is important for us to be able to know what we believe and why we believe it. And so this morning what you've heard is about a half dozen or more passages where clearly the Bible teaches and Jesus himself claimed to be and declared himself to be God in the flesh. So we can have confidence to know that's who we're believing in. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living. Mm -hmm.